How's your day, man? How was my day? My day was wasn't bad, bro. Um, just finishing off my last essay of the term. Yeah. So um, yeah, man. Near the near the final end, uh, the enough. final lap. What about you, man? How's your how's your day? Yeah, I can't complain. It was alright. Um, just came back from London. It was my sister's birthday yesterday. You're always coming back from London. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It was calm. Um, met up, met up with a couple of friends in a coffee shop. Just yeah, yeah. Got a nice haircut as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget what? to mention that. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, to my, my God, we've got YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> the wind blew it away. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, who's that in the background? Hey, we've got a very special individual very in the room. Um, oh. would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Alsaf. Um. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not <laughs> I don't know what to say. Um, I'm a I'm a third year natural scientist, and I'm yeah very lucky to be here. I'm looking forward to the grilling nah. these boys are gonna give me. <laughs> be nice to me, right? I, I'm not an art student. I can't, point, I can't defend my point. Uh, Altaf said that his last interview was his Cambridge interview, so yeah. hopefully yeah, it's a bit but, nicer but, than that. Yeah, and we said this is not an interview. This is not an interview. This is <laughs> a conversation. 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 <laughs> yeah, man. Um, yeah, man. So tell us about. Uh, young Altaf, uh, how's your how's your day, bro? Before I even get ah, into it. yeah, um, no, it's been it's been quite nice, bro. Um, I had a football match today. Yeah, I, I play for the Jesus College Third, so I am the peak of an athlete <laughs> right now. So yeah, we played Pembroke one beat beat them at eleven nil. So okay, it was a bit of a rugby score by the end, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Um, but that was good fun, and then had rowing, and then um, yeah, a bit of work beforehand, and. Yeah, now I'm here spending some time with you boys. So As it's been a good tell, day so far. Altaf is very busy. <laughs> Altaf does a lot of things. He's a very sporty guy. Um, but yeah, what position do you play for the thirds? For the thirds, I play right back. Okay. I, well, formerly, I play right back, but bro, I'm always at the front. I just want to score a goal, bro. <laughs> I'm very greedy with the ball. Fair enough, man. Fair enough. All right, so yeah, man. Tell us about tell us Altaf. Tell us about young Altaf, man. What were you like when you were when you were younger? What were you like in primary school? Yeah, bro. Um, yeah. Um, so. If there's anyone watching who has seen Young Altaf, then <laughs> I want to apologise. <laughs> young Altaf was a very, he was very annoying. Very, very annoying. I just had a lot of energy when I was young. And I, to be fair, it's uh, fair to say, I still have a bit of energy in me right now. But um, yeah, no, when I was young, I just um, wasn't the most academic. Like I, I always enjoyed, I, I was uh, I was pretty good at school. Like I enjoyed maths, but I was never like, school is going to be the, the thing to go into. School's going to be the thing that's going to define everything. I, I really credit like, not being not going off the rails to my mum. Like my mum was always she was the one who always hammered in on me. She was like, Bro, you know how Pakistani mums are, bro. Like, <laughs> Trust they're like, you, man. Bro, honestly, when it comes to school, they're lovely, awesome. But when they come to school, like, bro, they make sure you that's get your work done. That's <laughs> it. Education, education, education. Literally, okay. yeah. Wait, um, give us some context. Where uh, where did you grow up? Um, yeah, sure. Where so, are you from? so um grew up in uh, grew up in Manchester, um, yes. a little town called Staley Bridge in Manchester. Okay. So yeah, my earliest memories are from there and then just yeah. lived there most of my life. Thought thought Manchester was the only thing outside of outside of where I lived and then, yeah, came here and I realized there's actually a big world around. <laughs> what was your town like? Describe it. Yeah, sure. So um, quite, actually quite a working class white background and um, white area, but I loved it, me personally. Like my school, like my school was quite nice. Everyone got on really well. I, I never really felt like, I don't know, it's quite an interesting one. Even though I was like the one that stands out, I never felt like the one who stands out. Like mm. everyone was really like accommodating. Everyone was really nice. Mm. I kind of, I, that's one thing I kind of noticed in life. Like if you're, if you're nice to people, if you're funny, if you can mm. crack jokes, if you, if you can take a joke, People like they they magnetize uh, towards you and you magnetize towards them. So thankfully, I never felt like I was a bit of a, an oddball. Mm. <laughs> I actually, I feel a bit more of an oddball coming Cambridge than I do, <laughs> than, than really I do down there. That's really interesting. How how do you think your friends would describe you then? Um, God, that's a good. Depends which friends. So <laughs> if you ask my friends back home, um, I think they'd call me a bit of a nerd, a bit of a. <laughs> uh, but down here, I think uh, up in up in Cambridge, I think they'd call me a bit. Uh, a bit loud, a bit flamboyant, a bit too excited. <laughs> but it's completely opposite in Manchester. I'm, 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 I'm the reserved one in oh, Manchester. Really? I'm, oh, the one, I'm the wise one in Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the wise one in... <laughs> That's not the wise one. 
<laughs> how come? Why do you think um, people back in Manchester will call you a nerd? What was it about you that was nerd like? So, like, yeah, no, as I said, like, um, so basically, up till year six, I never like school was just a thing that I went to. It was just something that happened. But it was like I think it was more so in high school. It's more of like a fundamental structural change to it. Like you've got like you've got to go to a different school and like mm. you see year elevens they seem huge and like I I don't know I remember at the time when I was going into year seven I had this implicit thought in my mind that I'm just gonna be naughty I just mm. want to be naughty I want I want to have a bit of fun <laughs> <laughs> and like I'm not gonna lie like I don't know why I thought that and I don't know why I wanted to be rebellious but mm. it was what it was and then I just remember at the time like maybe two days before like high school starts my brother sits me down he's like right you're going to you're a big boy now mm. you're not messing about you got to make sure you do well in school mm. and like that's all he said like I think it was like a, maybe a five minute conversation but yeah. at the time mm. like I was like right okay. I think I need to follow what he says then. How, yeah. how old was your brother? Yeah, so my brother was, I think he was in year 10 at the time. Okay, okay. So at the time, when you're year seven, you see year 10, you think they're the big dog, don't yeah. you? Yeah. Like, you stay away from them. If they're <laughs> walking down the corridor, you walk That's back. That's it. You're <laughs> you know the other side. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so from then, like, I was like, right, okay, I need, to make, I need to make sure I work hard in school. And so I just I just put my head down, like, didn't, didn't like bash it out, but just made sure like when I was in class that I'd like treat my teachers with respect, have a good laugh with them, but mm. also make sure that I was focusing on school. Mm. And then at the time, like I just started getting like interested in like different different parts of school. I was really, I kind of realized that school isn't like this. I didn't, I realized it wasn't like this rigid framework which you have to adhere to. It's like it's mm. a very like, I, as it's like quite a dynamic thing. Like you can mold it to how you want. Like you can do education the way that you want to do it. Mm. And I kind of realized that like I do enjoy like certain subjects. And I really want to make sure that I like I can I can learn more. And I mm. wouldn't do that just because. Oh, I need to like I need to do better than other people in class. Like there was never any competition in our school. Like, everyone was quite chilled with it, which was quite nice because it allowed you to like identify like what kind of like what kind of stuff in like float you, uh, floated your boat. And mm. so from that aspect, like I just got interested in not more so like the I don't know like the quote unquote school. I just got interested in learning. And mm. so for me, school was just another avenue for me to learn new things. Mm. And so from that aspect, like, yeah, I, I enjoyed school. Like for me, it was just six hours spending with your boys nah, and le yeah. learning some, I'm sure you boys can relate Wait, as well. Let me, let me ask you a question on that point. So I'll, I'd, be, I'd be really interested to hear your thoughts on the, the trade-off or like the comparative benefit of competition versus collaboration. So what, what's your opinion on competition? Because I know you do sports, sure. so you must enjoy competition to some extent. Sure, like, sure. What are the benefits of competition versus collaboration? That's a good point, bro. Like, I think you could literally, you could take that, you could take that even further. You could be like, what about competition like the, in the in the in the economy or something? Oh, you could, of course you're you gonna could take it anyway, but <laughs> no, nah, but like I think that's a good point because competition, to especially academic competition, it can be definitely a force for good, as long as it's like healthy, as long as you're bouncing off each other. Like I definitely was quite lucky in school, like, especially in, in sixth form. Like I did have I had like a good like solid uh, bunch of lads who they were like academically quite ambitious as well. And so we all just bounced off each other. Even though we were going down different paths in life, like one of my friends is a dentist, one of my friends like going into pharmacy, one's going into um, zoology. So we all were going into different paths, but like to go to those different paths, we still had to have like common uniting principles of making sure we like, making sure we work hard, making sure we like encourage each other to work hard. Mm -hmm. If like there's some parts of like, um, I don't know, exams that we find difficult, we can make sure we help each other. Mm -hmm. Because like, even though we had different goals, like the common themes which united them were the same. So in that regard, like I think it was, it was, collaboration but then there was also competition within ourselves of being like right okay if you're good i want to be as good as you mm -hmm. and if i'm good like this is how you can become like to the level that i'm at for example mm. from like complete i don't know from a complete place of like humility but like for me like the biggest competition i'm sure it's the same I, I, actually i'll be interested to see what you boys say mm. as well for me the biggest competition has always been myself i've been mm. like Jam, what, what would you what would you boys say say about that god you go first <laughs> yeah i yeah for me i would say it is always Look, for me, it's always been like looking at what I think would be cool to do or what I think 
I would like think, oh, if if someone was, if I was five years down the line, what do I think I would want yeah. to be like? What kind of things do I think I would want to have, or what I would what I would admire in someone else? Mm. And I kind of go, okay, why don't I try and implement those myself? So sure. for me, it's almost like looking forward and 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 having this vision of what I think is is a worthwhile skill or attribute to have and, and work and working on developing those things. Mm. I definitely second that. For me, it's it's a lot to do with who who do I admire. What are my ambitions? Like, I'm very fortunate to have grown, grown up in a household where my mom said, you can do anything. You know what I mean? You can be anything you want. Like, mm. your potential is limitless. So I never really felt when I was young that anything was unachievable. So um, if someone was better, better than me at something, I knew that if I worked hard and if I put in the sacrifice and the discipline, I'd be able to achieve, you know what I mean? I'd I be able that, to yeah. achieve amazing things. Um, so, yeah. So I think, I don't know if, I, if that's competition, but... Anything that leads to um, a growth mindset, essentially, Defo, is yeah. something that I would definitely internalize and uh, subscribe to. So I was I was reading a book the other like I, it was like a book and it was kind of like a podcast at the same time where um, basically this guy was speaking about like the night routine of this um, of this Stoic Roman philosopher. I'm sure you've heard of Marcus Aurelius. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he said he would um, basically every night before he'd go to bed, he'd have this nighttime routine of he'd always ask himself, like he'd go through five things and two of those things, two of those questions which he'd ask himself would be, um, what would Xenos do? And basically, I'm not sure who Xenos is, but basically I think he's a, a figure that he admired. Okay. Or like this, uh, or this ideal. And he'd always be like, what would Xenos do in a difficult situation? Right. And then the second question he'd ask is, what would, what would like, for example, X, Y, Z, um, how can I become like X, Y, Z? So for example, how could I become like this Roman philosopher or like this Roman emperor, for example? And like I, and to be fair, the guy at the podcast was saying, I've kind of, he, he put a, like a kind of a spin on it. And he said, what would, what would the future me, what would the future me um, think of the current me? Mm. And it's a similar thing to what you actually just yeah. said before. It's like, how exactly. would I look at myself five mm. years from now? And it's trying to do yourself like the yeah. future you a service by working towards that goal. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think a lot of the times we have these ambitions as, as individuals. Everyone has a thing that they think would be really cool if they could do or whatever. But sometimes you think, do you know what? I might, I'm too young to do that now. I'll do that later. Yeah. And for me, it's all, uh, one thing I've tried to sort of develop and I don't know how successful I've been at it, but it is something I try and do is that if, a, if, if um, how old you are is the only thing that's stopping you, then I don't think that's ever a good enough excuse. Or even if that thing, that grand, that that thing that you want to be like is so grand, there is a there is a way you can do it in a small way or begin in yeah. a small way now. Do you that know what I mean? Emotion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, yeah, it goes back to what you're saying, really. But life's a journey, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah and every, exactly. everyone's everyone's got their own book, and everyone writes like everyone has the different chapters at different points in their life. So 100%. I think that honestly, I think that's some of, some of like the best thing. Like the fact that you see people like to be fair, like I'm sure you see people in this college like they've taken a few years away from school yeah. and then they've come back. And like yeah. they have just have different life experiences. I feel as if mm. that's that's quite nice that everyone everyone goes through a different path in life and yeah. and a different adventure. And ultimately, I guess your adventure is your story. Yeah, hundred percent, man. And I think that's that's one of the good things. I, I know you did a gap year, yeah. and we'll, we'll talk more about that. But I think that's one of the good things about like for me, I always would encourage a gap year in that it allows yeah. you to to sort of have a bit more perspective of of the world and how things go. Sometimes it's not always the case, but sometimes if you go from institution to another, you yeah. think that. The world is just institutions, and that's yeah. all it is. You're just in one, you're just in one building, and then going to another building. Definitely. And and I think sometimes just stepping out of that and being able to see more of the world is is really cool, man. Definitely, man. Nah, Definitely. Yeah. No. Actually, just bouncing off what you said, like it's quite interesting that I've got quite like a niche little example for it. Um, so in my gap, I always tell people I worked in a mattress factory. <laughs> I worked in a mattress factory, but bro, I learned so much. Not not about I learned a lot about mattresses as well. So if we if we want that conversation, we can have that later as well. But bro, it's, it's as you said though. Like if you, like 
gap years yeah. well, one thing it teaches you is like there's a world that like this the world is a big big place like there's so many different things going on and like one thing that I always noticed, like, what the one thing that that job enlightened to me was, I always used to see the world from a consumer's kind of perspective. I'd always be like, I'd always take things for granted, for example, and like working in a mattress factory, like something as I don't know something we take for granted, like a mattress. Like we 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 just buy a mattress and that's it. But then when I was working at mattress factory, I saw like all the effort. Like I wasn't on the factory; I was doing more like an administrative role. But I just saw the amount of effort that goes into an amount of like you know insight, amount of like engineering, amount of like amount of marketing. So many different aspects go into just to make a mattress. And I was thinking to myself, like the, the li life is like, there's so many things going on at the same time. Like in, as for, like for me, for example, I just, I just see things as fa at face value. Mm. So I have become a bit boring now. So now I look at everything. Now I look like, for yeah. example, if I sit on the seat, I'll be like, all right, there's <laughs> the leather on here. The leather, yeah. the leather's come from a cow. Where does a cow come from? And it's just like yeah. all these different, I, it sounds, it sounds very, very yeah. abstract, but like, yeah. it really did realign the way that I thought and that I approached everything. 100%. That life is, a, it's, a, it's a big, it's a big place and you can find your niche in it. You yeah. can, you don't have to stick to like, you know, rigid kind of structures. Yeah. You can, I don't know, be, be a bit more flexible. Yeah. It reminds me of when you're speaking about how a lot of thought goes into things that you regard as like simple or just by the by. When I was I was doing like a games design course over a couple of like a summer ago and, they sp and, and one of the things they spoke about is when you're playing like a PlayStation game, every bit of that world, like Spyro, we looked at Spyro, no, no, yeah. PlayStation, like every <laughs> bit of that Spyro world is geared towards you learning things. So you learn how like the, the character, how to jump, because the block is a certain height that you need to jump at that point. Yeah. And then later on in the level, the blocks are further away. So you need to use the double jump where you press X twice and then you glide. So it's like everything is so tailor-made to that world that you're like everything you do, you might think, Oh yeah, I just I'm gonna try I'm gonna try it yeah. out. Or you think, yeah, you're really cool. But actually everything is geared towards you learning in that way. And they used a really cool analogy, which is like when you go to grocery shop. You, everyone has like a shopping list or you, you have a list of things that you want to get, right? And and if you go to like whatever shop you go to at the supermarket, you walk in and the first thing you often see is the fruits or like the, the groceries, the vegetables, whatever. And for most people, that's the first thing on the shopping list. And so that's the reason why when you walk into a supermarket, that's the first thing that's there. Because when you cross that off, you've already satisfied some of the, the, the criteria that you wanted to do. You already crossed that off and now you get a feeling of satisfaction. So you're more inclined to buy other things that you never needed because <laughs> you're like, oh yeah, I'm yeah. basically finished now. Let me just see what else is around. And it's really interesting because I wouldn't, you would never think that when you go into a supermarket, you just think, yeah, yeah. all right, cool. Let me just, do you know what I mean? You, you almost think this is my choice, but some of it is already, it's kind of nudging you to, to do things. And, and it just reminded me of when you think about the mattress. It's like sometimes yeah. you think, yeah, that's just, that just happens to be. It's there. a small like, example, but it does illustrate like a lot <laughs> of things. Yeah. That's really interesting, man. Yeah, man. So um, tell us about, so you spoke about Young Altaf, man. What, what was, how did you change, if at all, in secondary school? You mentioned the, the, the older brother talk when yeah. he sat you down. Um, sure. How did that impact, impact like, the way you were in, in, in secondary? Do you know what's weird, though? Because I'm sure you boys can relate. It's like when you look back on your life, like you can kind of put the piece of the jigsaw yeah. together. And you realise like how like, I, to be fair, like when you're young, like have you boys got any older brothers or sisters or I've got older sisters? Older I've got sister, one younger brother. That's one younger. Okay, well then, so you you were my older brother then when I was <laughs> I was your younger your your, your younger brother. Yeah. The thing is, when you've got an older brother, like you just follow, like he's he's your he's your idol in it. You just mm. follow him. Whatever he does, you do. So my brother was really into rugby. He was always he was really athletic, and I was a bit lazy when I was. I'm not gonna lie. I was a, and my and my mom was like she never really encouraged me to like to go on runs and what whatnot when I was young. Maybe a bit of cricket because my dad because we're Pakistani. My parents <laughs> love it. Um, but yeah, no. Um, I think just following my brother and just like knowing he was there like that gave me a lot of like I don't know a lot of solace and like being able to see him do like to strive academically that really instilled that kind of that kind of mindset into me I always say to my mum like if, if if you didn't sort him out then I, I would have been I would have been much much worse so um 
but I think seeing him like seeing him wanting to do well academically and extracurricularly really like moved me to do the same mm. and the thing with that is like because you've got an older brother he just becomes like your almost your kind of mentor so mm. like with rugby he'd always make sure we'd, we'd always play rugby like after school like on in the park and that'd be quite sweet and then yeah. with school for example like if there was anything that i was struggling with he'd be able to help me out mm. and like at the time like you don't really know it's like, oh like my brother you just kind of just like this you just yeah. go through the, the motions of it all yeah. but now looking in hindsight like i'd say he definitely had like a he had like a quite an instrumental role in making sure i didn't turn out too naughty so mm. um in that aspect, it was good. But then also my friends, like I got very, got very lucky that I made um, a good amount of like a good set of friends. Like I was friendly with everyone, mm. but like my good core friendship group, like they were, they were all quite, we were all on, on a similar wavelength. We wanted to go to like, we wanted to achieve similar things, like mm. in terms of like different things, but like the process to get there would be the same. For example, so like some of my friends were like very like musically inclined. So they formed a band and like mm -hmm. they worked quite hard on that. And then mm. I was always quite like sports inclined, a bit more academic inclined. And that we just all bounce off each other. And whilst doing that, having a sick time, like always cracking jokes. And mm -hmm. so from that aspect, like it was quite nice that at home, I always had the, I always had the support of making sure like I do well, like academically and mm. like trying to be the best person I could be. But then also at school, like just spending six hours with your mates all day. Like, it, was, it, was a, it was a great laugh. So you in know, that regard, that you is You know what? Nice. Like I can just tell every time you bring up your friends, you're just smiling and you could just, you could, <laughs> I can just tell there's a lot of humor that must've been like part of that friendship Bro, dynamic. Definitely. How yeah. important, how important would you say humor is to a good relationship especially in the friends context oh bro it's so important having a, having a good like so like last week uh, so i'll show you this weekend i just been i went back to manchester and it's been about maybe maybe two months since i last went and bro the thing is like with your, with your mates you just pick up where you're left off that's where you know like a, a sign of good mates are and like you're just cracking jokes as if you've never been away and like yeah. you're reminiscing about the good times and you're still making new memories and like so in that aspect like it's just so nice because they give you they give you a lot of perspective your friends like i'm sure like when you boys mm. go back home like they'll be like oh so you're the friend who goes to you're the friend who goes to cambridge <laughs> yeah, aren't you yeah, yeah. and they'll be speaking to you about stuff like that and then you just realize that all of all of this cambridge stuff is great but what really matters is like your friends and like you know what i mean like your your connections with people and all of that's all the cambridge stuff all that that's yeah. great that's secondary what, what matters most is who like who you're with like your connections with people like how you are with people and like they're really good at reminding you stuff like that mm. and all all whilst like giving you a bit of humility as well and being like life is Obviously, we're quite ambitious. It can get quite stressed, but life is also time to. It's a bit. It's, it's a bit of a laugh as well. You got to have yeah. fun as well whilst whilst going through all these processes. Yeah, of course. What's it like for you when you go back? When you go back to ends. <laughs> What's it like for me? I mean, I mean, there is a lot of mystery behind Cambridge. So, the, I mean, not so much anymore because I've been here for a year. So, all of those questions that my friends initially had, I've answered them, and I've even invited them down to Cambridge so that they know what it's like here, um, and it's not that much that much of a mystery anymore. But. Um, yeah, just like you said, bro, we just pick off where we just where we last left. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just we carry on the conversation. Mm. They definitely um they humble you if you ever yeah. try to you know what I mean? if, you're, if you if you say a new word, <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't bring it up. What like brunch? You never used the word brunch before. Um so yeah, there's there's that there's that level of humility that you gave. Um but yeah, man, it's all, all love. But in regards to Cambridge, do you want to talk a little bit more about like, your application process and just about why you even wanted to go to Cambridge in the first place? Sure. Like, what was it about Cambridge that Sure, sure. Um, so, yeah, sixth form is quite an interesting time, isn't it? Where it's like, in our school, it was literally one of those where we got into A2 and they were like, right, okay, um, the deadline for applications is October 15th. If you're interested in, maybe, maybe stick an application in. And at the time, I wasn't actually interested in Cambridge. Um, I, I was one of those. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I knew that I liked biology. Um, I knew I had like a propensity towards it. I knew I liked speaking to people. Um, 
my brother was becoming a doctor. And as we said, like younger brothers just follow their older brothers. Yeah. Um, so I was like, you know what? I'll give this medicine thing a shot, see where it goes. And so um, I applied um, for medicine at the time, uh, did my work experience, did my interviews. Thankfully, got, got my offers for medicine. Uh, I firmed Edinburgh at the time because I was like, at the time, I was just getting really into mountains and about, and I was like, I just love Scotland. I, just, I think it was Harry Potter, bro. I think Harry <laughs> Potter got me into Scotland. So I was like, right, I'm going to apply to a university that's like Harry Potter. I don't know why Cambridge didn't come into mind, but Edinburgh <laughs> came into mind. Um, so I applied to Edinburgh, and then just in the summer of, of that year, I was just, I don't know, I was just having, having, all these, having all these thoughts, and like, I think A2 is a bit of a time where you kind of, You've got a lot more. I think a lot of people hit eighteen. You kind of become an adult. You're becoming an adult now. You're trying to find who you are. You're in those processes. And I was like, do you know what? Like, medicine is a sick career. Like, becoming a doctor is great. Like, I have a hundred percent respect for everyone doing it. But I was like, I don't think it's for me. Like, and I was, I was just like having these internal thoughts out my head. I was um, traveling with my friends at the same time, and we were having these discussions as well. And they were like, bro, if this isn't this isn't for you, you can't go. It's not like it's not like a five year degree. It's not a six year degree. You got this is something you do for the rest of your life. I was like, that's a fair point. And so. Basically, uh, to cut short, um, freshers, it was, freshers at Edinburgh was happening. I think a week had already passed since the start date. Mum comes into my room. She's like, why are you not at uni? And I was like, I don't really want to go uni. And at the time, I thought I was going to get an absolute rollicking. I thought she was going to absolutely <laughs> destroy me. And she, she was just like, all right, so what do you want to do then? And I was like, I think I want to apply for natural sciences at Cambridge. Mm. And she was like, right, awesome then. If you want to do that, then just make sure that you, make sure that you put a good shift in. And if, if you're sure medicine isn't for you, then send the application off. So I had to I had to ring my teachers up. I was like, yeah, I don't think I want to do medicine anymore. I think I want to apply for Cambridge. That's a big move, man. That's a big yeah. move. I want to know about that. Um, you, you mentioned you had internal dialogue mm -hmm. in your head. What what was that? What yeah, was sure. Like so, for example, like I I done. It's an interesting like. So I obviously with with medicine you have to do quite a lot of work experience. So the, there were times where I was on the ward mm. and I'd be shadowing doctors and like you'd see some really cool aspects of medicine. Like some like for example, I met one patient who had like. He had something called a um, hemispherectomy, which literally means like he's had one of his hemispheres removed. And I was like, and he was literally conversing with you as if it was normal. It was sick. I was like, this is amazing. But then in other aspects, I was like, this is cool, but I, like, there's just something that's just not there. And like the X for the clicking factor, the, the X factor just wasn't there for me. And I was just wondering to myself, like, why is it not there? Like as a doctor, like you got to make sure with your patients, like you've got to be on it. You've got to make sure that you really, like you really want this. This isn't, mm. this isn't something you do for six years. It's something you do for the rest of your life. And I reached a point where I was like, I don't think it's right of me to go enter a career which requires so much out of me, which requires me to help like help society so much if I don't feel as if I can like, you know, be able to to provide the effort which is commensurate with that. So mm. I ultimately came to the decision that I want to probably make like my make like make an impact on like society or help like contribute society in a different manner mm. to to this. Even though I, I can appreciate the benefits of it and appreciate like how it's an amazing career, it's an amazing profession. It's maybe just not for everyone. And I think that was ultimately the, the decision that wow. I came to. question that came to mind straight away was, are there any autobiographies that have stood out for you? Because I know one that comes to my mind straight away, but I'd be interested to know, like, what are there any particular individuals or like particular yeah. autobiographies that st stand out for you? Yeah, sure. Um, so one of the first ones I read was... Um, I, I don't know why I read it, but it was literally my, it was in my room. It was, it was one by Imran Khan. Okay. That one was, was really interesting because he speaks about how his... Um, his life was um, obviously he lived quite a privileged life, but then he speaks about he juxtaposes how he was living this privileged life of being like going to Oxford, becoming like a first class cricket player, and whilst like whilst he's living that life, he's seeing like the the de like the degradation of his own country and how how he's trying to like battle those two thoughts and like where like how that's made him the person he is today. And, like seeing something like that was really really interesting because you realise that everyone like even though do you know what I mean from an external perspective, someone might feel as if they have like everything. 
they've still got like their own demons that they have to fight, like they have to, to face in battle. And that was, for me, that was, a, th that got me into, into reading autobiographies. But one more generally, like one more recently is I, I read one by Trevor Noah. Yeah. So do you know yeah, 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 yeah. That, if you have the time, definitely read that autobiography. Really? I've heard great things about it. Yeah. So for example, Trevor Noah was born into, um, obviously he was born in South Africa. He was born to a white dad and a black mom. Um, but at the time in South Africa, it was, it was apartheid South Africa, and basically, um, um, like mixed, like uh, a black woman or a black man couldn't have kids with a white woman or a, or a white man. So the 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 title of the autobiography is "Born a Crime." So theoretically, he was born like as a result of a crime which happened between him, his mum, and his um, his dad. And he's just speaking about how he's had to balance those two things about living in apartheid South Africa, visibly looking like a mixed colored man, and being able to you know, trying to juggle the two things together whilst also trying to create a career and seeing like the difficulties his mum had to go through. Mm. Like that's one thing you realise in life, like even even like a lot of autobiographies I've read, I've read like your parents, like your your immediate circle, your friends, your families, they have such a big influence on mm. ultimately on who you can become. Mm. And that's why it's like, you don't choose which family, like you don't choose like who your, your parents are, but you can definitely choose who your friends are, for example. Mm. And that's why it's so important to make sure that you mix in with people who are on the same journey as you. They might not have to go on the, like to the same destination, but they're on the same path. Mm. How do you find those people? That's a good question. That is a very good question. Um, so I think for in high school, for example, I think I got lucky. Like my friends, like we just all convened in the same place. But at university, for example, I think university is such a it's such a big pool of people, and you mm. can really like there's different there's different groups for different kinds of people. I've got I'm quite interested in like in politics and history, for example. So like you can go to like mm. I don't go to different un you like union events or mm. different talks and. But one thing I've noticed is actually. Everyone has something to give. Mm. You just have to dig it out most of the time. Mm. Sometimes some people you got to dig a bit deeper, and then mm. once you dug them up, like you realize that they're a gold mine. They've got so much. They've got a wealth of information. Mm. So true. Some people yeah. are just hard. Some people are easier to get out of, like to extract. Mm. And so I feel as if there has to be a bit of a realignment. Like I'd say, I with like because I've noticed I've noticed with the people I live with at university, like especially when you're at university, everyone like it goes back to what we said. Everyone has their own journey and because everyone has their own journey. Everyone has their own like philosophies and approach to life and they have different things that they can provide. And ultimately like, like I think that's up to you, like how you want mm. to, how you want to extract that. And like, I think that's how you, that's how you find it. It's not, you don't have to actively go searching for people. Yeah. Often the people are already there. You just got to work with what you have. And mm. that's a major lesson I've learned over the last 12 months. You've just captured it there in that one, <laughs> one kind of um, five, five, like, like to a 20 second segment um yeah man i, I don't know me and Sadadine always talk about this like yeah. whenever we're at like a professional event or even a social event and we have one conversation with one person we've never met before and that person just out like just amazes us you know what i mean they just mm. say one sentence or they they talk about one thing that they're really passionate about mm. and it just captures our imagination really man. like yeah. we walk away from that conversation having gained so much and we had no expectations mm. um it's crazy. I can give you like a million examples of of when this has happened in Cambridge, outside of Cambridge. Sure. Um, but yeah, man, thank you for that. I can I just actually add on to that? Because I think there there is one. I always tell my brother this because like mm. we always bounce, we always have these conversations. And I remember once I was in A two, I was speaking to like a lad who, from an external perspective, he would he he was quite naughty. He'd always get in trouble with teachers. Didn't really do his work. Didn't do like just scrape through into A two. Lovely lad though, absolutely lovely lad, but just wasn't academically focused at all. And I was speaking to him about like his um his academic journey and like. Just what his plans were for the next year, and he was like, "Yeah, I've not really done much work, um, but I've got I've got this offer for uni." But I was like, "You know, what? I don't think I want to do. It. I think I want to. I think I want to. I want to do an apprenticeship instead." And I was like, "I was like, calm, calm, like, because at the same time, I was I was having these own like mm. these thoughts, my like these internal like thoughts myself about what do I want to do." And so I was like, just speaking to him about his experience of it, and he was like, "I was like, bro, do you not like do you not find it scary that you're just gonna throw yourself to the real world and you, it's gonna be something completely different?" And he was like, "Bro, like, I don't really think like that. All I think is like sometimes in life." 
you just got you just got to you just got to jump you just got to do it and you don't have to think about it. you can worry about it afterwards or you can you can see you can see how things unfold mm. and i was like i was like you know in some in some aspects bro like in some circumstances that is a very good way of go, going about it obviously in other aspects you should not be a bit more prudent but mm. in some aspects in life like you just got to do you just got to do because that's often tends to be the hardest part mm. and once you've once yeah, you once you've jumped, once you've taken that jump you realize you know what i mean i can i can juggle the thing i can juggle different things at the same time interested to hear your experience of Cambridge like how do you feel like it's made you different like we've sort of touched on it but how do you feel like you've developed as part of being here sure yeah I think the thing with the Cambridge experience is like there's no one size fits all approach I think it um it really does vary for you. everyone everyone has their own kind of Cambridge story mm. and I think for me like um I think obviously doing a lot of rowing um football a bit of rugby here and there mm. that's that's definitely been a part of it but for me like I think the biggest thing for me in Cambridge, like, of course, like the academics is like it's solid. Like you do get absolutely pounded here, and, and, and for for like correct reasons. But for me, it's just definitely been the people I've met. Like mm. I've met people who've literally fundamentally shifted the way that I think. Mm. Like for example, I I I was always quite open minded to like different perspectives, but I always would think that my my maybe my thought process was a bit more like one dimensional. But here, it's just definitely opened my mind up to different perspectives, different dimensions, and I've realised that often in life, like different you can have different opinions which both can be right mm. and like it just depends on what what like what each person values and what each person considers so mm. like meeting boys like yourself exactly like you boys are on different different paths to me do you know what i mean but like the, the the like the qualities and like the do you know the mindset which is achieved to get there mm. that's still the same mm. and like seeing you boys like wanting to like you know, wanting to get to where you want to be like mm. that's 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 motivational man like like, like bounces off on me like i'm mm. not sure if you boys ever noticed but like yeah, yeah, yeah. implicitly that, that comes off on me like um, as well yeah 100 i really love this outlook that you have just being a big sponge essentially just every single source of inspiration that you have around you that you're exposed to conversations directly or indirectly just try your best to absorb as much as you can from every conversation and every interaction that you have um, I'm, I definitely try to do that as much as I can, mm. and I can I can see that. Yeah. You, I mean, it seems like you really internalize that that perspective. Mm. Would you say that to be the case? Yeah, no, definitely. Because I always feel as if, like for me, like for example, when I was working at the mattress factory, like I was um, speaking to my boss, and my boss, like this this man, he's he's seen life from like many different lenses. Mm. And so, for example, like ordinarily, if I met him on the street, I wouldn't I wouldn't I was just thinking to myself when I was working, I was like, if I met this guy on the street. The guy, he had a big beard. He was quite a small man. Well, actually, he was, he was, he was a good, but he looked, he always looks very angry. Mm. But he was like, but when you, when you speak to him, he'd give you so much advice. Like, for example, I remember speaking to him and um, he was like, he was like, Altaf, do you know what, you, do you know one thing with you is you speak too much. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? He was like, do you know what you need to do? You need to be able to, the, 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 the biggest skill you can have in anything in life is being able to say as much as possible with as few words as possible, mm. trying to maximize what you can say. Mm. And he said, when you, when you speak like that, that's when people remember what you say. Mm. And I was thinking to myself, like, that is, that is some really good practical advice. Yeah. Like, yeah. if I can maximize the efficiency of each word when I speak, mm. that'll completely, like, structurally change the way I have conversations. Mm. And so I was like, when, when I was working with that guy, I was like, right, I can, I've learned so much off this one guy who mm. I ordinarily would not have, would not have, like, really made the effort to. And mm. then that just put, like, that struck me. I was like, mm. do you know what I mean? Life, has, like, everyone has, like, their different stories in life. Yeah. It's just a matter of being like, do you know what I mean? You've got 100%. to extract it. Like, even your mum and your, like, your, yeah, do you know your siblings? Like yeah. they've seen life from different experiences. We were speaking about that. Do you mm. know that old grandma who's? Uh, we were speaking earlier about there's this grandma. With, there's like a YouTube video about this grandma. She's 104 years old. She's from Russia. And she's seen like the world change. She's lived through like mm. Lenin. She's lived through Stalin. She lived through the Cold War, like the, war, well, the World Wars. Mm. Like, do you know what I mean? They have different perspectives on life. Yeah, like, that's it. That's why I study history. To be honest with you, to, to gain those perspectives. Definitely, yeah. Hundred percent, man. Um, so what's what's in store? What's what, what what does the future hold for Altaf, man? What kind of not necessarily what you want to be doing, but like what kind of 
things do you, do you want to be doing more of in the future? Sure, yeah. So it goes back to what we said. We were having this conversation before, like, before we uh, hit the camera. Um, I'd say, me personally, I'd, I think like the start of your career, like especially when you come out of university, you're fresh. You've got like you've got all this energy, this enthusiasm. So for me, I just I definitely want to do something where I push myself. Like I feel as if when you're in Cambridge, you push yourself academically. Mm -hmm. I think now is the time. Personally, I want to push myself vocationally. I really want to. I really want to do something which I can look back on when I'm old and be like, right. Do you know what I mean when I had the gears for it, I, I went, I went, I went mm. to gear five, I went to gear six as well. <laughs> um, so, it, what I want to ultimately go into—that's a very interesting question because, mm. like, I think as we said, like, I'm not 200% sure. Like, I know, I know what I want to pop, like potentially do in the next like five years. Yeah. Where I want to go after that, yeah. I definitely want to use the skills that I learned from my job. Yeah. To definitely project onto something to something else because mm. I think ultimately, I, I think all of us, I think I, I, I'm, I know you boys are lovely boys. You boys want to help people as well. <laughs> I know for facts, like I want to go back to Manchester when I'm old, and I want to I want to help enough. people like people like me, and my friends who are who who want to Jeremy you know, who are ambitious, but like f kids who might not have had the same friendship group that I had mm. or the, like, the same family that I had who pushed me towards making like wanting to be ambitious. I really want to do something like that. Mm. But I feel ultimately, I feel as if like before I can help anyone else, I need to make sure that I, can, I help mm. myself first. Mm. I'm I can, I'm, in, I'm in a strong position where mm. I can you know help other people. Mm. So. Ultimately, I think that's that's the long term goal. Mm. The micro steps which are which are required to get there, that's mm. still that's still under construction. <laughs> so uh, the last question I want to ask you, um, based off what you said, is is what would you define as success for yourself? Then that's a good question. So I'll give a very long winded answer <laughs> to it. So when I started the gym, for example, I was I think I was like sixteen years old. I was relatively I was just I was literally doing it to be a bit rebellious. So I thought it'd be like I'll get into it. And I remember that when I was doing the gym, I was like making all this progress. I was like, it's sick. And then I reached a point where I was like my progress plateaued and mm. I reached I, I remember like speaking to my like speak to my friend about this and he was like, Yeah, that's just what your genetic potential is, bro. And I was like, bro, that's peak man. Like, <laughs> I've only been gym for like a month and I've reached my genetic potential. That's dead bro. But then I kind of realized that do you know what I mean? Like there's different like determinants of who where your life goes. Obviously your genetics play a role, but also your environment plays a role. Mm. But then more importantly, your mindset plays a role. And so I kind of realized that, do you know what I mean? Like life is becoming the best version of yourself is being mm. becoming, it's, it's what we said before. It's like, you know, when you go to sleep tonight, it's like what Marcus Aurelius did, like when, before he went to sleep, he'd ask himself like, what would the best version of me do? And so for me, that's what success is being, being like, right, okay, I might have taken paths which are a bit different to people, taking a bit of a risk, taking unorthodox paths, not being afraid of like getting rejected, not being afraid of messing up, but being ultimately living back on life and being like, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm happy where I got to. And I, do you know what? There's nothing that I can really particularly regret. Mm -hmm. I gave it a good shot. There were things which worked out in my favor. That was fantastic. There were things which didn't work out in my favor. That's fine. I just learned a lesson from that and I moved on. And I think that's what, if I can look back on life and say that that's what I've done, then I think I think I'll be quite happy. Altaf, you're a very wise man. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man I, I, I you're a wise man in Cambridge as well, not just Manchester, bro. Nah, I, love nah, you, I love you. your outlook on life, bro. Yeah, man. Now, nah, thank you for for coming down, man. And and no, honestly, so, yeah, no, honestly, so I want to say thank you to you boys as well. You boys are you boys are a blessing to Cambridge yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, nah, thank you, man. Honestly, no, nah, definitely no. Honestly, no, thank you to you boys as well. Nah, man, you're you're a legend, bro. You're a legend. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having me.